Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing in the Ephesian series. We're going to be starting in verse 1. And as you guys are turning there, I just want to pray for this time and this word this evening. Pray over us. Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. We worship you tonight, God. Lord, we're praying this time in your word, God, Lord, that it would be transforming, God. Lord, we don't want to walk out of here the same person. Lord, what's the point, God? Lord, we want your word, Lord, to bring revelation. We want it to impart something. We want to be changed people. We want to be people, Lord, who go after you harder, God. We want to be people, Lord, with greater zeal and passion, Lord, when we leave this place in 30 minutes, God, or whatever it is, God, Lord, Lord, we want more of you in this place. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Let let the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit flow freely through our life, Lord. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as we continue in the series, it's Ephesians 5, verse 1. And this is what it says in Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God as dear children. My sermon in a sentence tonight, which can also serve as the title. Now, I'm going to need you guys to really put your PhD cap on right now, okay? Your real thinker cap, because it's going to be really hard to understand what I'm about to say. All right? Here is the sermon in the sentence. Be like God, not the devil. (laughs) You laugh, it's harder than we think, isn't it? Sermon in a sentence, also the title. Be like God, not the devil. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of Christ. Man, that's an easy thing to kind of focus on there. Imitators of Christ. But it's equally as easy to skip over as dear children. What is that all about? What is that all about? As dear children. I have two boys, Judah and Isaiah. And I won't tell you who did this. But Aiden, Cannon, and Rowan Herring, <clears throat> about six or eight months ago, turned them on to what is called Star Wars. Somehow we were able to hide it from them until then. But when they caught it, they caught it. <laughs> the priority, the focus, the intent every day of my boy's life, do you know what it is? Star Wars. My boys drink out of Star Wars sippy cups. The books my boys know are Star Wars. When my boys go to bed, they get into Star Wars PJs. Everything is Star Wars. We watch Star Wars every weekend, one episode every weekend for the past four months. And only the old ones, for those of you judging me right now, only the oldest ones. And I center those. My boys, my children, their priority, their focus, their intent, their passion, everything that they're consumed with is Star Wars. Be imitators of God as dear children. The priority the focus, the passion, the everything, the everything, sippy cups, PJs, whatever it is in your life. Jesus Christ, imitating him, reflecting him, being more like him, being a witness of him. That is what that is talking about. 
Therefore, be imitators of Christ as dear children. First Timothy 4, 8 says this, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness, everybody say godliness, is profitable for all things, all things, having promise of this life that now is and of that which is to come, all things. That's 1 Timothy 4, 8. Tonight, I want to give you three ways to godliness in your life. Three ways to godliness in your life. And it starts with this. Live to give, not to get. Live to give, not to get. Come on, people. Come on, track with me. Come with me here. Let's go to this place. Live to give, not to get. Look at me. In the second verse of Ephesians 5, you're already there. It says this, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given, say given, given himself for us. Guys, a quick pause. We can give without loving. We do it all the time. But you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving. And that's what this is talking about here. Given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Mark 10, uh, 10, 45 takes it even further. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. We've got to give our all, our best. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. We're to give our all. Getting is all about me, me, me. Places a premium on your satisfaction and your comfort. Giving is all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It places a premium on obeying God and blessing others. Live to give not to get. Rick Joyner said this, true Christianity, true Christianity is a life of sacrifice. It requires that in everything, in everything, we live for the Lord and others, not ourselves. I want to give you three areas under this topic of live to give, not to get, where we can be awesome givers, where you can be an awesome giver in your life. Number one is this, listening. Listening. Being an awesome listener. There is a great difference between hearing someone and listening to them. More importantly, they can feel the difference. There is something therapeutic about being truly listened to, to be understood. Guys, let's bottom line this. We're in conversations all the time, all the time. I'm in them, you're in them all the time. And how often are we really listening to the other person? How often are we listening to the other person to care about them? To love them through our listening. I think many times when I assess listening in my own life and others, we're thinking about how to maybe continue the conversation or we're thinking about how we can look good and give a right answer or something about those lines. But guys, there's something powerful in simply listening. Listening to someone. It's therapeutic for them. 
We're living to give, not to get. And even the simple places of life. Let me tell you guys a story that I heard years and years ago. There was this college student, and he was afforded the opportunity to go and to have a lunch with two different kings in Europe, okay? Two different ones. And so he went and he had this lunch with each one of them, and then he came back. When he came back, his friends and his family gathered around him, and uh, they said, man, tell us all about, I mean, can you imagine? Tell us all about your experience. What was your takeaway? What was your takeaway of your time with these kings? And he said, well, the first king, I tell you what, I don't think that there's ever been a better king. Talking with him, his wisdom, his intelligence, the talents that he had, the policies, the procedures, how he operates in his kingdom, the things that came out of his mouth are things that I never thought that I could have heard before. He, I don't know how there could be a better king. He was an amazing man. He was an amazing man. And they were like, oh man, that's, that's so awesome, so cool. And they said, well, what about the other king? What about him? This college student said, he said, my takeaway was I walked away thinking I was, I was the greatest person that's ever walked on this planet. He said, I went, I went in, beautiful, elaborate room for lunch with him. And as soon as I came in, he locked in on me. He said, man, I'm so glad you're here. Such a blessing to be able to meet with you. I'm thankful for the opportunity. We started our lunch and he just went in to questions after question after question all about my life. And I could see, I could see in his eyes the care, the concern, the compassion. I could see that this time with him was not about me. It was not about him. It was about me. I was moved to a place that I've never been moved. And I walked away feeling like, man, I can take on this world. Like I'm the greatest person that's ever walked on this planet. People, when we're talking about living to give, there's a lot of big things that maybe we could harp on, and maybe I'll get into some of them, but there's small things that are just as significant, and listening is a powerful way to give to people in their life. We can love and we can care by truly listening to people. You know, you guys have been there, people in your life that really, really listen to you. You know it's not about them in the situation, that it's about you. And man, it's healing. It's healing. It's redemptive. And that's what we want to be about. The second thing is this, encouragement. There is not a soul around you that doesn't need some sort of encouragement. A simple encouragement, guys, listen to this, can quite literally be the stepping stone someone needs to make a wonderful decision in their life. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. Guys, I was 20 years old and I was living in Dallas. I was going to school and I was working, but I really was kind of aimless. I didn't know a lot about what was going on. And um, 
I'd been accepted to the University of Texas at Arlington, and that was the path I thought I was going to go down. Um, but honestly, I wasn't excited about it. There wasn't a lot of passion there. And then a friend of mine, his name's Leas Reyes, he came over and he said, hey, I just want to come over and spend some time with you. It was about an hour or so, and he brought over these brochures in this pamphlet. And that brochures were on a Bible college and a discipleship school. In that hour of time, it was very simple, but it was so encouraging. Simple words, straight to my heart, spoken to my life. He encouraged me, and he presented an opportunity. An opportunity. Guys, let me tell you this. I thought about it and prayed about it. I went to Virginia where this Bible college was to visit. I enjoyed it. In the following fall, I drove my truck to Virginia and started there. Outside of marriage and my family, there's never been a bigger decision that I've made that has bore more multiplied fruit in my life than that decision. And that decision, that decision was brought about by a simple step of a friend saying, hey, man, I just want to present to you an opportunity. Let me encourage you with this. A simple thing, he didn't think anything of it, and it completely changed my life forever. Still to this day, multiplied times over fruit from that one decision that came from that place of encouragement. Guys, we all need it. Don't let the time pass you by with someone. Don't push encouragement to the side. Take a step out, give an extra 30 seconds or a couple of minutes and give encouragement to someone. You know you want it and so give it. And what's funny is when you become an encourager, a lot of times you start to receive it back even more. Guys, living to give, not to get. Be a listener, be an encourager. And I can't talk about living to give without talking about money. I can't do it. You guys have heard me talk about Wayne Myers from this very platform before. He's a famous missionary to Mexico. Listen to what he says. Although life of giving includes much more than money, such as being a good steward of our time and resources, it does include money. More is said about money in the Bible than faith, love, heaven, and hell combined. It is mentioned more than 2,085 times in the scriptures. What we do with our money is what we are doing with our lives. Money makes a beautiful servant, but a terrible master. Jesus said, no man can serve both God and mammon, Matthew 6, 24. Either we master our temporal possessions or they will master us. Money makes a beautiful servant, but a terrible master. I've said this before from this stage. My first week of being married, Andre and I, I was woke up and the Lord spoke to us, said, you need to tithe, which we were doing, but I want you to give 10% over that. I want you to give 20%, 10% tithe, first fruits into this house, into Soma, 10% to ministries and missions over that. That was a hard step. We've done it for seven years. And God has been faithful and beyond faithful. I even told Andrea yesterday, babe, I feel like I'm living a dream. I'm not a trust fund baby, not inherently wealthy. I don't make a ton of money. 
God set me up big time, big time. He put me on his kingdom plan financially. It has been the ride of a lifetime. Why do I tell you this? This is what I felt the Lord telling me tonight. Giving, a life of giving, talking in a monetary way, it starts with the tithe. It starts with the tithe. The Bible's clear. It's 10%. You make 3,000 a month, 300 here first. If here isn't your church, then wherever your church is, 300 of it comes here. What's above that is called an offering. That goes to other ministries, uh, missionaries, or what have you. If the first part of your giving isn't tithe, isn't the tithe, your life will always seem like an uphill battle. It will always seem like an uphill battle. And God says in his word, try him. Test him. And see what he'll do. And let me promise you, as a testimony of someone not wealthy, but who does that, you try him, you test him, not for a week of tithing, not for a month, not for a few months, but a lifestyle of tithing. He will not only meet your needs, he will go beyond in ways that will make you laugh out loud at his generosity. Laugh out loud at his generosity. And I also want to say this, because I don't think this is said enough when it comes to tithing. Tithing coupled with living within your means is really where the overflow starts to happen. If you make 3000 a month and you live like you make 7000 a month, well, that's called maybe you're tithing, but you're not obeying with that other money. So you're tithing in one area, you're obeying, but you're disobeying in a lot of other areas. Hello? Hello? It's hard to really bless that. But if you make 3000 a month and you live like you make 2700 a month, tithing and living within your means. Guys, let me tell you a story. On top of this 20%, this is not boasting in any way. I would have never have chosen to do this. The Lord woke me up out of a dream and he spoke it to me. Last year, above that 20%, the Lord spoke to my wife and I and he said, I want you to give a $4,000 one-time donation. Huge, huge money to us. Huge money. I want you to give a $4,000 donation and it was, a lot of it was to certain ministries in this church and then to some missionaries outside of this church. We gave it, and we gave it gladly because Andre and I are not gonna give and it not be cheerfully. We're not gonna throw money at people and run the other direction. We're gonna give it and be happy about it, all right? Within two weeks, and th- this is, there's so many other stories like this, but within two weeks, from people who, there's, there's no way they could have known we'd have given that money. No one knew. We received a, th- a $3,000 check from one individual. And two other families jumped on our support team. We're missionaries. Part of my salary is raising support. They jumped on and started supporting us. All of that combined was $4,500 within two weeks. Guys, I have that story in my life time and time and time again. Please hear this from someone who's not wealthy. I'm not rich. I'm not in an upper tax bracket. I'm just someone who wants to obey God's word. We want to live to give. When it comes to finances, it starts with the tithe. 
And I know, I know, I know the thought can be, we can't afford it, we're in debt, you have no idea about our financial situation. And you're right, I don't, but God does. And he owns all of it anyway. And he says 10% of it is his. And he says, if you give 10% of it to him, open your eyes and watch what happens. Watch what happens. Man, let's live. You guys getting this? Let's live to give and not to get. Let's listen to people and love them and care for them through that. Let's take some extra time and encourage people. Let's give extravagantly, cheerfully. Let's see this kingdom advance in our lives and our family through this church to the nations of the world. Let's do this. Amen. The second thing is this. I'm going to drop a little bit of East Texas slang on you guys. <laughs> if the shoe don't fit, don't wear it. Okay? If the shoe don't fit, don't wear it. Look at with, with me in verse 3 of Ephesians 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be names among you as is fitting. Everyone say fitting. fitting. No, really say fitting. 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 Fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. The whole list described here, guys, are perverted works, words, and actions. The words and actions are lies that pervert the truth in your life. All of this is under the umbrella of sexual immorality. It's all under the umbrella of sexual immorality, whether it's out of our mouth or out of our actions. When truth, which is your anchor, it keeps you in bay in God and in his word, becomes cloudy, then decision-making turns gray. Decision-making turns gray. And we're talking about sexual immorality here. When decision-making turns gray in sexual immorality, it turns 50 shades of gray. Haven't seen the movie, nor will I but I can guarantee you that the list I just read out of three and four was probably pretty active in that movie. David Gutzik, a wonderful commentator, says this. We must notice the theme of the moral appeal here. It isn't avoid these things so that you can be a saint. Rather, as you are a saint, now live in a manner fitting, say fitting, for a saint. I'm not telling you anything you don't know when I say that maybe the enemy's number one weapon, I mean, his number one weapon is a lie, but the number one lie is the sexual morality and perversion in our culture. It is very, very hard to get away from. And he has waged a war, a war. The statistics are daunting. And it's interesting because I thought about that war, war. And I thought about how then shall we live? How then shall we live? And the acronym for how we should live is war. And the W is the word. The word. The word is your anchor. Truth dispels the lies of the enemy. Sin is always a lie of the enemy. Romans 13, 14 says, therefore clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and do not let your mind think about ways to indulge your evil desires. People, everybody look at me. 
you will have evil desires and they will be daily. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. They will be there, okay? But we're not let to let our mind indulge in those things. How are we supposed to take care of our mind? Our mind is renewed by the washing of the word. The greatest way to clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is through the washing of his word. Listen, there is an equation. There is an acronym, it's war. If this variable of the word is not happening in your life, you will not live in the ultimate freedom and purity that you desire for your life. It will not happen. It will not happen. You have to ingest the word in any way that you can get it. Memorize it, listen to podcasts, listen to sermons, do whatever you have to do to get the word in your life. That is where it starts. That's the W. The A is accountability. If your sin is private, you're not really pursuing purity. Privacy or purity, privacy or purity. If your sin is private, you're not really pursuing purity. A life accountable says to God, I want it your way, not my way. I want it your way, not my way. The last time I spoke here, I talked somewhat extensively about accountability. Here's the thing, guys, find someone. This isn't for just one or two, it's for everyone. Everyone has to be accountable. If you don't want to be accountable, you will not live in the ultimate, optimum freedom and purity for your life. It won't happen. It's accountability. You've got to find someone you believe in, you trust, you admire that can get with you. And when you find someone, you have to have a true take, inventory, evaluation of of your life and where you're really at. And this, what I'm describing to you is James 5, 16. This is what he says. Confess your sins one to another. That's what you do when you get together. You confess your sins one to another. You discuss that. Then you, you talk about the wins as well. How am I doing better? And you celebrate those wins, okay? And then you pray over each other, as it says in 5, 16. And so that, that will engage the healing powers of the Lord in both of your life. That's what it is. You need to really look and see, man. Am I someone who needs daily accountability? Am I someone who needs weekly or monthly accountability? And there needs to be a true assessment because let me say this. Accountability is only as good as the truth that is being spoken. Accountability will only be as good as the truth that is being spoken between both of you. That's the A part of war. And then R is run. Everybody say run. Run. We are to flee or run from all forms of sexual immorality. This, this isn't a pick up your lightsaber, turn it on and start to do battle here. This isn't what the Lord tells us to do when it comes to sexual morality. That's not it. He says flee or run. Put on your Nikes, put on your Asics, put on your Converse and run the other direction. Run away from it. Run into the word, run into worship, run into accountability. Really run into anything else that is good, but run. Running fleshes out in all kinds of different ways. A lot of time running looks like putting a filter on your computer. Running looks like giving up your iPhone. 
running can take the shape and form of a number of different things. The point is to run from it, flee from it and run to him and run to him. Guys, when you're sitting there, guys, gals, girls aren't excluded. Oh man, get the devil on one shoulder, the angel, you're starting to sweat, man, don't do this, don't do this. No, 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 that, that's not running. Running is throwing this thing in the pool across the house, walking out the door and running three miles to cool yourself down. This can be represented in a hundred different things. Run. It's not a place to do battle. That, that battle you lose. We, we've all been there. You lose that battle. You don't win that battle. It's war. The word, accountability, run. A little plug here. Ken Reed has been blogging, writing some good articles. He wrote a good article about this. You guys should read it. Google Ken Reed. You'll probably find all kinds of great things, accolades and sweet pictures. You are a saint. Now live in a manner fitting, fitting for a saint. And the third thing is this. Receive your father's inheritance, not the world's disobedience. Receive your father's inheritance, not the world's disobedience. Picking up in verse five there of Ephesians five. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. In the kingdom of Christ and God, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, with them. Everybody say them. Them. Say it again, them. 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 This is not you. Them. The sons of disobedience is who he was talking about. This is not you. If you have been, if you are someone who's given your life to Christ, someone who's following him, putting your best foot forward, wanting more of him, reading the word, uh, uh, worshiping, all of those things that is a believer that's fitting for the saint, this is not you. This is them. The sons and daughters of disobedience. You are a son and daughter of the living God. Something really, really cool. Inheritance. Inheritance. (laughs) I love this. It's property passing at the owner's death. Come on, y'all. Passing at the owner's death, at Jesus's death, to the heir. Or those entitled to succeed. Legacy. You are the legacy. You are not a son or daughter of disobedience. You are not an unbeliever. You are not impure. You are not a pervert. You are not defeated. You are not alone. You are not hopeless. You are not shame. You are not regret. You are not depression. You are not lust. You are not suicide. You are not fear. You are not a mistake. You are not finished. You are the name carrier. 
You're the temple where God resides. You are a little Christ. You are purpose. You are lovely. You house the gifts of the spirit. You have been renamed by the most high. You are the beauty. You have been bought with a price. You are more than a conqueror. You are the victor. You are the win. You are the apple of his eye. You are his beloved. You are the legacy. Everybody stand up with me tonight. Let's live a life that is fitting of being the legacy. That's what these seven verses are about. Let's live a life that is fitting of being the legacy. Let's live to give. Man, let's love people if you're listening to them. Let's take a little time to encourage someone. Let's give extravagantly. If you don't tithe, start tithing. Let's wage war against the enemy. Go to places in the word that you've never gone. Go to places in accountability that you've never gone. Flee and run from immorality like you never have before. And guys, you are not a son or daughter of disobedience. It is them That's not you, it's them. You are the legacy. The legacy. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you in this place tonight. We love you in this place, God. We thank you for your grace and mercy that is beyond our understanding. Lord, I pray for each person in this room tonight, God. Lord, I pray for inspiration. I pray for encouragement. I pray for strength like they have never felt before, God. Lord, I pray that they would leave this place motivated, sensing you, experiencing you like never before, God. And Lord, not only would they walk out of here with some type of of inspiration and motivation, God, Lord, but this would be something that they would apply and run with in their life, God. That we would be people that live a life fitting of being the legacy, God. Lord, I pray for marriages in this room. I pray for healing in marriages. I pray for love in marriages, God. Lord, I pray for greater unity and peace in marriages and in the homes. Lord, I pray for people's finances in this room people who look at me cross-eyed when I talk about tithe and giving, God. Lord, I pray that you would deposit that word of truth into their soul, water it, and may it bear forth a hundredfold fruit of a life of giving for them, God. Lord, I pray for those who are going through trials and struggles right now that are beyond what even they can comprehend. Lord, I'm praying heavy doses of your grace and your mercy and your encouragement to them, God your encouragement to them, Lord. I just want to close with saying this. Everybody look at me. God is in the business of restoration. He loves to restore. There's no project too big that he can't restore. 
There's no place in a marriage. There's no place with a relationship. There's no place with a coworker. There's no place with a family member that can't be restored. He can restore it. God, let your restoration flow through our lives. May it be supernatural, God, but give us practical wisdom on how to make it happen. We give you all the praise and glory, God. We love you so much in this place, God. We bless your name tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.